Like, what's the point of this life? Like, can't God just, you're like, well, we just, you know, to enjoy life. And like, well, why would you, why wouldn't you just go to heaven? Like, right. well, heaven's better than this life. I guarantee you, right? So like, what is the point of this life? Just uh, just try to stay out of sin until you die or whatever you have to make it, you know? So that's a very important question as Christians. We have to ask why you're here. Men, this is a reclamation project. Manhood in the West is broken in our homes, in our cultural institutions, in the church. Real men have gone missing. We're here, a Protestant and a Catholic, to confront that reality with the wisdom and truth of our respective faith traditions. Join us as we move from mediocrity to mastery, from apathy to action, from failure to freedom. Join us as we seek manhood restored. Mighty men of valor, welcome back to the Manhood Restored podcast, where we go Paul Bunyan on the forests of feminism and clear a path for broad-shouldered masculinity to pass through undeterred. We have a great guest for you today. With us tonight, Dr. John Wood. My name is Chad Stolle, and I'll be taking a big lumberjack-like swings at this episode, (laughs) while my co-host, Ben Neff carves in some nuance with his expert whittling knife. Ben, I've always wanted to be a whittler. What's it like? <laughs> I think you need to ax this whole, uh, oh, nice. whole uh, Paul Bunyan or what intro thing that you do. I don't know, man. Oh, it's Trying so too hard. Oh yeah. So I was, uh, I was going to be a lumberjack once. You're, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I really, but I didn't make the cut. My neighbor, my neighbor keeps telling me I'm, he's going to make me a lumberjack. Yeah. Cause he's trying to put me to work. Yeah. Yeah. I've used a chainsaw like twice in my life. So. Oh yeah. There you go. Qualification. Yeah. Yeah. So. See Man- manhood restored here. Okay. Well, tonight I'm going to, uh, we're not going to plug anything, uh, just yeah. for, for, uh, brevity's sake. Yeah. Which we're not really accomplishing. Uh, and let me give you a little bio, a little background on Dr. John R. Wood. So John, I noticed when I started Googling and stuff, you have to put that R in there. That's right. Cause there are a ton of John Woods. Yeah. It's actually a, um, uh, my my grandfather's middle initial. I'm named after my grandfather's, and it's a testament to him. So yeah, right. you got to put the R in there. Awesome. Awesome. We'll take that. That's meaning behind that. So Dr. John R. Wood is the author of three books, The Light Entrusted to You, Where There is a Will, There is a Way, and the best-selling Ordinary Lives Extraordinary Mission, Five Steps to Winning the War Within. John and his wife, Kristen, are very active in their local Catholic parish. Together, their dedication has earned them the 2011 Century Centurion Award from the Diocesan, Diocese of Toledo, uh, given for outstanding service to their parish. Since the release of his first book in 2012, John has spoken at hundreds of parishes across the country on a variety of topics and has recently released two new sacramental retreats called Dragon Slayers and Sanctified. How do you say that? Sancti- it has got the I in there. It's an eye doctor pun, but yeah, it's sanctified. Sanctified. Yeah. <laughs> John is a mobile eye doctor, which, yeah, that's why we're saying that, and travels to over 40 nursing homes and developmental disability facilities to provide eye care through his business, Mobile Eyes. He and his wife currently reside in Northwest Ohio with their five children. So, John, thanks for coming on tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be on here with you guys and talk about manhood. I've listened to episodes and uh, enjoyed your conversations, and it's it's just an honor and a privilege to be in the conversation. So, yeah. thanks, guys. Awesome. And Ben has a little background too, uh, which is kind of a weird story. But when I yeah. brought up John's name as a potential guest, and he, we were he's like, "Oh no, not that no, guy!" No, guy. No, I was like, <laughs> "Oh no." I said, I don't know what I'll say. <laughs> he wants to come on Ben Neff. I said, I'm not sure. <laughs> but he's like, he's like, well, you, you can't be talking about the same John. You know, I really did. Like, I started Googling like, you know, and I Googled, I think John Wood Finley said, he said, Google John Wood Catholic. And I'm like, oh, there so like, up. apparently you were doing all this stuff in the Catholic world. We had lost touch. We knew each other in college through FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes and yeah. And literally just lost complete touch. And then like you've been ministering and I think how cool that is, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a crazy world. It's a small world. And, uh, yeah, I mean, um, 
you know, Chad reached out and told me that uh, his co-host was uh, Ben Neff. I'm like, wow, that's blast from the past. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah great. Twenty years later. Twenty right? years later. Yeah. You never know who you you, you yeah. run into people twenty, thirty years later. It's just uh, it's fun stuff. So and yeah. you guys, you guys even said to yourself, like, like we look with the exact. You look same. the same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. With my hat on, I do look the same. All right, <laughs> with my hat, I do look the same. Well, John, other than the material that you've put out in the last ten years, I don't really know you. So I wonder maybe if you could give our listeners some background. I'm kind of curious. I mean, I can tell by the output and the dedication that there's there's been a calling on your heart, right, uh, to go out and, and minister and evangelize. So tell us. I want to. I want to know. You know, where, how you came to like, what's your conversion story? How did you get so motivated to go out and do what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I grew up great parents, um, and my my Christian faith was always really important to me growing up. Sports was a huge part of my life, and and I was it was easy for me to relate sports and faith and that whole um, you know idea and mission of trying to become a saint and trying to become a champion and, and trying to get to heaven and accomplish the goal. It's just always been relatable to me, but, um, it wasn't really till college when I was really more challenged in my faith and kind of ask, why do I do what I do? Why do I believe what I what I believe? And, and, and it's really those challenges that kind of helps you grow deeper in your faith. And then, um, you know, I went on to become an eye doctor and uh, moved to a small little town. My wife and I didn't really know anybody there. And, um, you know, you, you got challenged to get outside of our comfort zone and, um, be part of different ministries and talk about our faith and share our faith. And, um, and it's just amazing how the Holy spirit can work. Cause I, I, I never wanted to be, I'm a pretty introverted guy. I mean, mm. I think my class, my high school class voted me most likely to be a mime cause I, I never talk <laughs> for real. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that. Superlative. <laughs> so I, I just, you know, I just never talked very introverted. And, um, you know, when, when somebody came up and asked us to do a ministry and, um, I just remember praying, you know, God, you know, I'll do whatever. Just, just don't make me stand up from people and talk. You're like, wow. I, I can't do that. You know, like, and it's just amazing what the Holy spirit can do with people. And so I eventually just started doing monthly talks at my own local church. And, um, from those talks, I started writing this book. I wasn't even trying to write a book. I was just trying to prepare talks. And I started writing this, this book on the five steps to winning the war within, which again, relates back to the whole running thing and sports theme. And, and, and then I met one of my favorite authors I actually hosted an event from a guy named Matthew Kelly. He's a New York times bestselling authors, sold millions of books. And, um, I was the event coordinator and I, I had this manuscript. So I'm like, I'm just going to give it to him and see if he'll look at it. And, and he did, he took it, he looked, looked at it and he read it. Um, and he, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll publish this and, uh, made it part of their, their dynamic Catholic book program, which is a program that hands out books for two, $3 a piece to churches at, at especially at Christmas and Easter when the people that nor aren't normally coming might show up. And mm -hmm. so because of the way they evangelize and hand out those copies in mass quantities, I have like 240, 250,000 copies of that book floating around the country. And that just opened up all kind of opportunities for me to travel and speak. And, uh, you know, I'm still an eye doctor. That's what I do for a living. Um, but I also, I love my faith so much. And, and that prayer gradually changed from Lord, please don't make me talk, um, to Lord, give me an opportunity to share this fire. There's, it's like, like Jeremiah, you know, like I, there's this fire inside and it, I grow weary holding it in. I have to talk, I have to share my faith. And, and it's just amazing looking back, um, over the last 10 years where God has taken me, but, um, I've just been very blessed and uh, grateful to be able to, to have those opportunities. Yeah. You can definitely hear it come through when you listen to John, uh, uh, in a, in a presentation, uh, I caught one years ago. So, uh, it's been quite a while. And I would even say that, you know, I, I picked up that book again and I went out to kind of give her myself a refresher because it's been years since I read, uh, ordinary lives, extraordinary mission. And, uh, it still resonates today, right? 10 years later. And some of those things that you were, you would be talking about, uh, when you travel the country, it, it's, it hits home still today. So I definitely recommend that book, uh, to readers. And so that's interesting that, that, uh, Matthew Kelly, you, you handed the manuscript right to him, uh, because yeah. the Catholics listening would know Matthew Kelly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just handed it to him. Um, and you know, just told him and, and I'd done a lot of work, you know, mind you, I was an event coordinator, um, he started doing these big events in, in different churches and, and this was kind of just, it was kind of like one of the right places, right time thing. He had just launched the book program. Um, he just started his big event. I was this coordinator and there's like two, 3000 people there kind of caught his attention. I did a pretty good job getting people to his event. And so, um, you know, he, he was willing to take a look at it and, uh, yeah. and I'm, I'm grateful That's for that, that opportunity yeah. and, and he obviously has a huge reach. So mm -hmm. if he's going to publish it, then, uh, you know, it gave me 
gave me lots of chances to share my faith. Yeah. Definitely take some courage to get out there, especially if you said like you're an, you're an introvert. And I mean, I think a lot of times Ben, our, our Protestant brothers and sisters will talk about a defining moment. I mean, this is a way we could bring Ben into this. Like, I don't, would you remember a time where it was like, well, I guess I left out, you know, a big part of my story was losing my dad to cancer. So, Mm -hmm. um, I just kind of started doing some of the speaking stuff or whatever, but in 2008, uh, lost my dad to cancer. And, you know, my dad was kind of like that safety net for me. He's like my hero, my, you know, the guy that I kind of leaned on the most. If I had a question or a problem, you know, I kind of turned to my dad and I was, you know, I always wanted my dad to be proud of me. He was always the guy there. He's always coming to my games, my sports and wanting to be there. And, and it kind of really shook me up to lose him um, and really kind of forced me to look deeper into my faith and, and ask those deep questions in life and, and set that fire. You know, I made a promise to my dad before he died that I would spend the rest of my life trying to become the saint God created me to be and inspire millions of others to do the same. And when you make that promise, it holds you accountable. And so yeah, that yeah. mission really was kind of born out of a, that promise I gave to my dad. Mm. Wow. So yeah, well, I, I get a little bit of chills thinking about that because my dad passed in March and that's what, and like, I felt like that was like timing almost to lead to this. And so I said, I never do minister like until my dad had passed, but he didn't know that when he asked that, you know, like that was because I, so many of my stories are related to my childhood and stuff and this, but you know, my motivation came from a different standpoint because of bro- more brokenness and like wanting to see, men rise above that and say, not, not this generation, not me. So that was kind of my motivation of what got me into doing this is, you know, that transitional stage of like, okay, others did it wrong, but I'm going to do it right. Yeah. And I've me meeting so many people and traveling the country and hearing stories, especially men, um, you know, in, in psychology, they, they talk about this thing called the father wound, um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, everybody wants their dad to be proud of them. Everybody wants, um, you know, to, their dad to notice them and love them. And, and, and so many times men haven't stepped up to that role. They haven't been that leader and they've, and, and some, sometimes have, have done terrible things and, and hurt um, their children. And we carry that father wound in it. And, you know, I was blessed to have a dad that loved me and that you know, he wasn't a deep religious guy at all. He, I think he <laughs> always thought he was just more faithful to my mom than he was. He just, he went to church every Sunday because oh. mom wanted him to, and he was a convert. <laughs> he never talked about religion, but he showed me who God is. He showed me God, the father, because, mm-hmm he loved his sons. I have four, three brothers and, um, he just always wanted to be with his kids. And and he introduced me to God, the father, just by the way he lived his life. Mm-hmm. And I realized a lot of people didn't have that, but it took losing my father on earth, maybe before I even realized I had a father in heaven. And, you know, like my dad would come to my meets and he'd hold a stopwatch and he was timing me. And it always made me nervous. You know, I'm like, oh. Even if I was 30 meters ahead, I'm like, my dad's watching. I want to be proud. And he knows he knows my potential because he's timed every lap I ran around this track. Mm. And so I'm racing against that stopwatch, and I want my dad to be proud. And I, I know he still holds the stopwatch. And God the Father sees everything we do. And it's a great motivation if we if we can understand God as Father, um, which which sadly many people don't see that as a good word sometimes. But you know, knowing that a father loves us, that a father's going to lay down his life for us and, and wants us to be happy, that God sees everything so that even if nobody else is watching, I can try my best at something. God sees that. Even if I offer up a sacrifice or do a kind deed and nobody saw it, God sees it, mm-hmm. you know? And I always say, it doesn't matter if the world canonizes you. It only matters that God does yeah. and, and God sees everything we do. And, and we just strive to make him proud. And it, it's a great way to live life. And, and, and losing my dad, I think helped me come to that perspective. I love that image of your dad holding the, the stopwatch and you're like motivated by the fact that he knows even if nobody else is really paying attention in that yeah. drawing neck. I, I read that today actually, <laughs> because I, I haven't got through the whole book where the, where there's oh, a will, the, there's a way. Right? Yeah, yeah. I was reading that chapter today, actually. Yeah. Nice. I thought that was, inter- that was an interesting parallel of the stopwatch. Was, yeah. And you know, as, especially as men, you know, whether you realize it or not, what you, what you desire, what you seek, what you dream. And this is how I end most of my talks is that that stadium at the end of life, I've, I've pictured running that stadium and finishing that race with nothing left to give, like that you gave everything. Um, and then you're hearing that voice. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Um, there's something inside of a man that, that that's what we desire to hear. And whether, you know, sometimes we can't pinpoint it, but that's what we're seeking. We want to hear that voice. And, you know, I, I know I say, maybe it's my male ego, but I, I long to hear God say, I'm proud of you even more than I long to hear him say, I love you. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know he loves me. I, mean, <laughs> like I, right. I can look at the cross. I can see, I, I know, I mean, I know he loves me, but you know, 
if I waste my life, if I waste my gifts and my talents, you know, as, as a father's perspective, you know, like I'm not really proud if my kids aren't going to try or if they're not doing their best. I, I always love them no matter what. Um, but our effort, you know, you know, I want to make my father proud in that sense to, to give my best effort. And, uh, so I, I long to hear that well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. That's going to hit, hit home with a lot of guys. And so this is a podcast for men, you know, and you talk, you bring up sports yeah. and so you really are being humble a little bit here to tell us a little bit about your career and then how, I know you've mentioned this already though, how you've utilized your experience in athletics to evangelize, to, to, you know, connect with your audience and our audience today. How, how can that? Yeah. Well, I was a hockey player. Um, hockey player, no, a runner who wanted to be a hockey player. Right? A, yeah. If you ever seen the happy Gilmore thing, you know, I am good. You know, I was, uh, <laughs> hockey. I loved hockey, but I'm from this tiny little farm town where hockey doesn't exist. And my brothers and me somehow got into hockey and, um, I was a state champion in track, so I was really, I mean, God made me a runner. I have to, I mean, it's just mm. my build, I'm kind of a skinny, weak kid, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. the heart of a hockey player, yeah. right? but I just wanted to play hockey and I, I, and I did, I, I chose my, my college because, uh, for one reason I wanted to play hockey, but whether it was hockey or basketball or, or running, um, there's just a great parallel there to be able to, to teach people about faith, about life, about the journey of life that, um, you know, you know, when I talk about sports, I can say, well, you can play sports for lots of different reasons. Some people just want to have fun and that's fine. That's a great motivation, but it, it kind of drives me nuts when we tell our kids like the most important thing is that you have fun. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's not the most important thing because losing isn't fun and running whistle sprints isn't fun and getting injured isn't fun, but it doesn't mean it's not worth playing the game. Um, and on the other end of the perspective, you know, as our male egos were like, I want to win, I want the trophy. I want to win. That's the most important thing. You know, win is everything. I'm like, all right, well, I want the trophy and the, the, the clock, the stopwatch motivates me, the trophy, I want to win, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to finish with nothing left, like to, to become the best version of ourself. Like that journey of life is who we are today and then striving by God's grace to become who God created us to be, to, to give our best effort. Like God would rather we finish last and give a 100% effort than finish first and give 99. God sees your heart. And so it's all about, you know, are you going to try your best? Are you going to become the best you can be, whether it's sports or business or being a parent or life in general? It's that journey of life. Yeah. And I tell you what, it reminds me of cross country. So Ben and I, our oldest boys run together in cross country and neither one of us were cross country runners. So that's what strikes me about that sport. I mean, it's so much fun. It's so cool to watch. Did she just say cross country was fun? <laughs> to watch. Wait, yeah, I wasn't I was supposed to use that word. No. I'm oh, sorry. It's That's so right. meaningful I, to I run cross country. I ran track for one year in eighth grade and I ran mile and 800. And after that, I was like, I ain't doing this anymore. I was, I was really good. <laughs> it I hurts, like you. Right? Yeah. I was a bass. I want to be a basketball player. I was five foot in eighth grade. And I'm like, I'm going to be a star NBA player. I saw the dream team. You know, it's, it's like, why didn't somebody say, just keep running, kid? You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, but there was no glory in that. I don't know how fun it's so the, the guy it's the punishment did you for ever run track sport. at all for anything i think like seventh grade you yeah. did actually okay well to say it's fun you you must have done like a like, hundred meter dash or something i just did like long jump long jump or yeah. something yeah that'd be fun okay yeah. so you can't think sorry uh, you guys like totally fun. called me out on the word fun there okay I'm no sorry. It, it, that's misery like <laughs> okay let me let me clarify it's so much fun to watch <laughs> watch cross country but but what you made me think about is how it, it it does ring true for that sport. These kids will root each other on. It's one of those rare sports. I, I thought about this just, just at the last meet we were at, yeah. it was like, what other sport are you actually rooting for the other team? Because you're asking, you're wanting that kid to do his best. That's exactly what you're saying, John. Uh, and that's, I don't know. It's so, it's so enjoyable. I'm not going to say that word anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. it's kind of like, it's kind of like your opponents can help you. Um, you know, the, you know, the, the people that made me into the best runner I could be were the people that were the hardest people to run against. They're, they're, they're really good. They're really, um, you Any know, like, like the guys sitting in the room. <laughs> Any names that might, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, this guy named Phil, like he just won all the time and I had to run against him yeah. all the time. The guys know? equipment we're using right now. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, thanks Phil. Um, but you know, to run against a state champion makes you a state champion. And it's the same thing about life. Like, you know, you, you can say you want your life to be easy, but you know, it's the storms of life sometimes that, that help us become, you know, so, like the worst thing that could happen to you sometimes could be like winning the lottery, even though we think that's going to give us everything we're looking for in life. Or 
maybe the, you know, the best thing that could possibly happen to somebody, you know, this sounds terrible, but maybe be to get cancer. Like if, if that's going to convert you, if that's going to shake you up a little bit, if that's going to help you realize that you're made for heaven, then that, then that's what, you know, the storm God used to bring you back and get you on the right track to get you motivated toward the goal. So, you know, you know, your opponents can help you. And that's the great thing about running. You're, you're really running against yourself. It's you against you. You're trying to become, you know, reach your best time that the stopwatch is always there, but it's the other runners in the race that, you know, you want to beat them, you want to win. Um, but they're helping you in a sense. And this Mm -hmm. is, it's it's just like the opponents of life. Yeah. And I like the analogy of sports because there's, uh, there's rules, there's boundaries, there's jerseys, there's traditions. Uh, and am I allowed to use that word, Ben? We have tradition in the <laughs> Protestant church too. It's okay. Right. We have a potluck every year. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I just thought like you're talking about how most of this, we haven't really brought up religion. Um, and, and maybe I think for a lot of guys, there's a, there's a disconnect, you know, but sports, we, we have these things that come along with our activity that help us, you know? So can you speak to that? Maybe what, um, tie tie religion. Yeah. I think, especially for men, I think we've done a disservice by, I don't want to say feminizing the religion so much, but like, um, not speaking their language, you know, like, Mm. you know, that, that, that the adventure of life, the challenge of life, the, the, the race, the, you know, the, the hunting trip or whatever it is, you know, that, that men can relate to like wherever you can find goodness and beauty and truth, you can find God. That's what God is. Goodness, beauty, truth. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I think that we need to do a better job of appealing to men and that call to, to, to adventure, that call to striving for excellence, that call to, I mean, that fits with our religion. I mean, that's, you know, especially, I mean, that's why I love being Catholic. It's that, that idea of the journey of life that, um, that we're called to make this great journey. And it, it helped relate to me so much. Like I was, you know, my sports taught me so much about faith because there's such a, a great parallel. We love stor- stories. That's why we love movies. That's why you watch Braveheart and you're like, wow, yeah. you know, like there's something inside of you that you want to slay a dragon. Like there's something deep in you that knows you're called for something. You're called for greatness. And, you know, as guys, we don't want to just say, well, Jesus loves you and that's enough. And that's all that really yeah. matters. Um, there's that that's true. And there's, you know, we, we need to rely on God's grace, but he's also going to send us out on mission. He doesn't just, you know, like a good parent, you're going to not just do everything for your child. You're going to help walk them through the journey and, and challenge them and meet those challenges and, and try to strive for goals because that's going to help you become the best version of yourself. Yeah. What greater goal, right? I mean, we're, we, we get caught up in like trying to succeed at our career or we get caught up in trying to be the best at a sport. Think about how much we pour ourselves out into that. Right. So what I hear you saying is like, there is no greater mission than to become a saint. That's the, I know you love focusing on that. Yeah. And you know, you need to define saints sometimes for people. Cause they're like, well, I don't want to be a saint. You know, <laughs> I'm like, well, sorry, everybody in heaven's a saint. Like that's what the goal is to get to heaven. When we're in heaven, we are, the best version of ourself. Like you, you, you're not going to have your free will taken away. You're going to be perfectly intact, but you're going to make that journey, um, to be who God created you to be. And so, um, I, I think that, um, you know, that, that parallel is, it just works so well, especially for men that we can't water those things down, that we have to give them challenges. We have to push them. We have to, you know, hold them accountable and tell them you're supposed to be a spiritual leader. Look at the scriptures. You got to step it up a notch. You, you got a job, you got a mission. And, and sometimes we need that call, um, to, to help us reach our potential. Yeah. So to your point about, to your point about sports, I mean, it's intense. It hurts, right? Yeah. So, so why would we downplay or, or take a step back from the thing that matters the most, the, the mission that matters the most? Yeah. And, and, and also to remember that, that becoming, I say you, you become a saint by helping other people become saints. Like, to, to take the focus off of self, um, to make Christ your model, to lay down your life for others and strive to help get other people. I mean, what a beautiful mission. If your mission was, you know, how can I help as many souls as possible get to heaven? And you, you wake up every day and like, how can I help this person get to heaven? How can I help? Um, how many souls can I get to heaven? A hundred years is a short time to live when there's you know, so many souls to be saved and God's sending you out there. He's like, put, you know, I'm like, put me in coach. I want to play. <laughs> and he's like, this is your time. You're that you were born for this time at this, you know, for a reason, for a purpose. Now go out there and be who I called you to be and not be afraid. You know, Jesus says over and over, do not be afraid. It's not about you. 
It's about what God's going to do through you if you surrender and say, you know, you know, do with me what you will, Lord. You know, like Jesus says in the agony of the garden, not my will be done, thy will be done. And having the humility to say, God can do great things through me um, because it's not about me. And that, like, like I said, I, I always just say, come Holy Spirit, let my words be word, your words because I'm not a speaker. I can't do this, but obviously God can because <laughs> I've been, <laughs> been doing, doing it for 10, 10 years. years yeah. So. Yeah. Well, not, not all of us can be youth ministers, right? So that, uh, how, and I know like, so you're effectively that you're, you're by day, uh, an eye doctor, but that's maybe something you could speak to too. Like, so most of us out here, most guys out here, we got a day job, you know? And I think maybe there sometimes there's a, um, also a disconnect where we're thinking, how am I supposed to do all the stuff you just said, John, if, if I got to go turn a screw or I got to go answer these phones. Uh, Well, I guess I just chime in that, you know, like you got to follow the conviction on your heart, you know, and I just spoke to some youth yesterday. I said for 18 years, I was called to be a teacher. That's where I felt the Lord put me, but I started feeling this, like something in my spirit that I'm called to something different than where I'm sitting at now. And when I started feeling that call, there's a verse that says, anyone knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it sins. And so I needed to answer that call for my life and step into that ministry role. Now, everyone's not supposed to be do that, but everyone is called to be obedient to the the mission that God has called them mm-hmm. and to listen to that, you know. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, I always say that God often nudges me in a direction I do not want to go. Um, yeah. Amen. I, Amen. I, you know, I, I, I'm a... It's not to the taco boat, you know, you know, like, you know, I just sit back, kick yeah. my feet up. I'm like, God, this, you know, this way, I want to go this way. The sports bar <laughs> as you just kick, you know. Exactly. You know, yeah. and, and I've, I've always struggled with confidence, even running those races. I just never believed in myself and I, I just never had the, the confidence in myself. And sometimes I, you know, cut myself short because I'm relying too much on my my own abilities. Whereas if, if we're willing to let God work through us, um, and, and to your point, Chad, what, um, you know, being an eye doctor is just as, you know, just as much of a ministry to me as doing events because, you know, I, I work in nursing homes every day with people that, um, you know, yeah, like, oh, I can give sight to the blind. Like, okay, well, rarely I give sight to the blind, uh, as an eye doctor. <laughs> you know, I, you know, you treat a disease, you win some, you lose some. And I work with the elderly and most often than not, you lose. Right? Yeah. And if the success of my career is based on giving sight to the blind, my career is going to be a bitter failure. Mm. But if I can go in those nursing homes and I realize I have this power, I never knew I had, like, they're lonely. Like, they're lonely. Like you can just go in and I just made a commitment, you know, probably 10 years ago when I, when I, you know, a prayer I say is like, Lord, help me to see you in the eyes of everyone I meet so that everyone I meet might see you in me so that I can be Jesus to them. So at the end of every exam, I just say, it was really great seeing you today. Thanks for coming down. Have a great day. And for one moment, their eyes light up. I mean, they're lonely. They're, they've been abandoned by many, their family and their friends. They're, they're in a nursing home. They don't even realize why they're here anymore. Some of them are, most of them are depressed. And the ability to make a difference in a nursing home is unfathomable. You don't have to be a doctor to put light in the human eye. Like just find a way to make a difference. And it's not about fitting religion in or fitting this into whatever. Like everything you do revolves around that. Like it, it makes me a better, my faith makes me a better doctor. It makes me a better dad. It makes me a better spouse. It makes me a better writer, speaker. It makes me better at every single thing I do in life um, because I'm made for heaven. And if I can take that goal into everything I'm doing, um, it's not just one subject among many. It's it's the one thing. And that's what I try to, to help parents realize, especially. You want to give something to your child. Really, the only thing you can give to your child the world can't take away is the hope of heaven. That's it. Hmm. Anything else can be taken away from them in an instant. But if you help them realize they're made for heaven and their journey, their mission of life is to become a saint, now you just armored them with the ability to make good choices. Is this going to help me become a saint? If one, was what I'm about to watch going to help me accomplish my mission? Is the food I'm eating, is that going to help me become a saint? Is the way I treat this person, is that going to help me accomplish my mission? Now they got a goal and they can focus on that goal and they can make better decisions and that's going to make them happier, healthier, holier. Um, and so it, it's really not, it's not, you know, compartmentalizing our life. Like yeah. I don't care if you're taking out trash or if you're serving at a restaurant or, um, you know, whatever it is you're doing, um, you do it to the best of your ability. You try to make a difference. You put your heart and soul into it. 
you're you're evangelizing just by the way you're live. Yeah, you don't yeah. you don't even have to you know even without words you know you know your actions always speak louder than your words. So, um, given your experience, you know I, I haven't done this for ten years now. Out seeing folks, we we did just have an episode here recently uh, about this phenomenon, the nuns. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, the, the statistic, we're not talking that, about people in habits, right. <laughs> or like the, the, the nuns with the wearing the veils and stuff, right. I, I had to do some education. He had to, with he had to me the difference between a nun and a, a sister oh. and sisters I know are out in the community. Wow. This guy retains, a, you know, and they're like there, but a nun hides <laughs> back. I think there's different types. Life, I don't know. There's life of devotion is what yeah. he told me. I understand. That's well, there's, a, there's contemplatives that pray, mm-hmm. there's teachers, there's teaching orders, there's lots of different types of... Yeah. Okay. But no, it wasn't about that. Okay. <laughs> no, no, okay. No, we're right. talking about the N-O-N-E-S? Yes. The, the yeah. nuns. Okay. Yeah. In the statistic that stuck out to me in some recent um, article, there's a book written and this guy was being interviewed. In, in 1972, they did this for the first time. They asked that question um, and 5% of the population answering said that they have no religious affiliation. This was this term, none. Fast forward 2021, and a couple of the categories of people, in particular young men, uh, are nearing 40% in those same surveys. And so I, I, it baffles me, and that's why we did the episode. But I'm I just curious, given your uh, how far reaching your ministry can go, what are you seeing out there? I mean, um, this kind of stuff, you're, I'm nodding my head when you're telling me it all, but, but, uh, what, what do you diagnose, doctor? D- diagnose, <laughs> diagnose for us. Like, what's going on? What do you see, there? doctor? Your, <laughs> you know, what is CEO? We got kinds go. of puns yeah. here. <laughs> okay. Well, what did I see? I can what's, do this what's, all day. Uh, <laughs> what's your vision here? Okay. Well, well I think it's difficult to. It's difficult hindsight's to, 2020. We don't want to relive 2020. Last again year was the year of the yeah. eye doctor. I was saying that at the beginning of the year. Like, this is the year of the eye doctor. And I'm like, no, it's not. We oh, can no. definitely not see clearly now. Okay. Let's, let's forget. Let's just yeah. be glad hindsight 2020 is hindsight. It really it gets yeah. worse from here, right? Because then eventually we'll be at 2040. Yeah, the vision gets worse yeah, here. That's, so now it does it's, that, it's yeah. all done. So nice. it really is like the end of the world now. Hey, you got to use that button over there. You didn't, you gotta I don't remember which one that one is. No, that's not it. I don't even know what I just hit. Okay. Right. You, you're <laughs> going to have to wait for you that. you to use the equipment. You don't want to get into I have no idea what's doing that. <laughs> I shouldn't have done You should probably shut it off now. <laughs> I can't shut it off. You three, two, okay. one. Okay. Cool. Anyway. Whatever just so, happened. Okay. All right. Yeah. We better get off the eye doctor joke because mine are kind of corny. Cornea. 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 Okay. So. <laughs> Thank God. It. Okay. Um, so the nuns, that was you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay. A little off. What am I seeing? All right, we, ben for that. we want people to really know about this. Okay. Let's take this seriously, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I think it's hard to to box those people into in one specific category when you say nuns. I'm like, you know, I guess that need, you need to define that because a lot of times when they call themselves nuns, they may say, Well, I, you know, it's like the spiritual but not religious. Like I'm just not affiliated with a particular group. Um, and I think that a lot of times that's just because maybe they've been hurt in some way. They've been, um, you know, they, they see, um, you know, organized religion as something bad or something like that. And so, um, I think it really comes back to, you know, going back and looking at the the most important questions of life. And, you know, this is how I would approach a nun in a sense. And, uh-huh. and again, asking them about their faith journey and what's drawing them away, but <clears throat> they see religion maybe as a, as something bringing them away from God, which I, I disagree on. But um, I think it goes back to those four main questions, like who am I, why am I here, where am I going, and how do I get there? And I think it, how you answer those four questions is how you're right. going to you live better your ask life. better that slower. Say that slower now. Okay. All right. It's, who, who am I? Okay, yep. Who? Why am I here? Why? Okay. Where am I going? Where? And how do I get there? How? Okay. Who, why? You're how, fishing where? for a pun over there? No, not really. He said it fast. I mean, I was just trying to track with him. <laughs> okay. okay. So, uh, you know, as Christians, you know, we answer that question in a very specific way. You know, like you, if you say, who am I? I could say, well, I'm an eye doctor. I'm a state champion or I'm, I'm a failure at this or I'm a success at this. And we define ourselves by our family or our history or our school or our trophies or whatever. But that, you know, as Christians, we don't define ourselves that way. We define ourselves you know, by our relationship with God, that you really can't answer who am I unless you can answer who is God. Because if God doesn't exist, then you're just a random act of nature. You're just 
Adam's bumping into Adam's, you know, that's the atheistic point of view. Like if there is no God, then, you know, your life has no meaning or purpose and you're going to end up nowhere and any road will get you there. So pick whatever road you want. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but as Christians, we say we are sons and daughters of the father, that God is our father. And so that should change the way we live our life. And so you know, why are we here then? You know, this is a great question. <laughs> you know, as Christians, you say, well, God loves me, right? And God's my father and he's in heaven and he wants to be with me forever. So I always say, well, like, well then why are you here? Like, what's the point of this life? Like, can't God just, you know, like, well, we just, you know, to enjoy life. And like, well, why would you, why wouldn't you just go to heaven? Like, right. well, heaven's better than this life. I guarantee you, right? So like, what is the point of this life? Just uh, just try to stay out of sin till you die or whatever you have to make it, you know? So that's a very important question as Christians, we have to ask why you're here. And that's why, you know, my faith has really helped me with that whole sports analogy. You, you got to make a journey. You got to become the best version of yourself by God's grace, right? So you need to make that journey and strive to become who you're created to be. And that's the journey of life, you know, because where are we going is heaven. And again, sometimes we forget the goal. You know, if you don't know the goal, then you're going to, you're going to go down all these different wrong paths or whatever. So helping people remember the goal is heaven. You know, if I can't convince you your goal is heaven, then, you know, you're going to choose whatever path works best for you. But if I can convince you that you're a son or a daughter of the father, I convince you that life is the journey to become the best version of yourself. And if I can convince you that your destiny is heaven, then that last question matters. How do we get there? And organized religion, um, is what helps me get to my destination. Like everything in my faith, everything my faith teaches me has a purpose. There's no arbitrary hoops. And I think they look at things as hoops to jump through. Like God wouldn't want us to jump through that hoop or he just wants me to be happy. But, but God knows us better than we know ourselves. And, you know, we have, God has revealed himself through history. You know, what Jesus said mattered. You can't just make up whatever opinion you about, want about Jesus because Jesus was a real person that lived in real time and real history. So we actually have to look at what Jesus said, not just our own opinion. Our opinion doesn't change Jesus. He's a real person. Like you can have whatever opinion you want about my wife, but I know her better than you do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So like, if you want to know who my wife is and everything about my wife, you actually have to get to know her. You have to meet her. You have to like study her life and what she said and what she did. And so I think this whole idea of nuns is they just, they forgot those four questions. They're not looking about what their goal and their mission is and they're making up whatever God they want. And, and in, in some senses it is atheism because if there is no God, he's just a coping mechanism, then just make up whatever you want about God. He doesn't care if you do this or that, or you can practice your religion this way or that way. It doesn't matter what you do. Um, so I, I think it's just a, a really a fundamental, we've lost our m meaning and purpose of life. And we've got to be the messenger of that. We got to, we got to reach, you know, that's our problem. We have to be able to evangelize and tell them who Jesus is and where yeah. they're going and why they're here and how to get there. Yeah. I, I, one of the directions I wanted to head here and as a father, um, one of the things that scares me more than anything is the thought that my kids grow up and become one of those nuns. Yeah. That, that they want to disaffiliate with the religion, the truth that I've tried to raise them with. And I wonder maybe if you could speak to that. I know a lot of your ministry now focuses on parents yeah. and um, trying to help equip them with, um, you know, how do we get that in our kids' hearts? How do we help bring them up so that it becomes real? And, and um, it's not it's not these things that are assumed religion. Yeah. Is. Yeah, it's just that's why parents are my my target audience. I I have a heart for young parents and just to help them realize how important their role is, especially dads. I mean, this, the research is really clear. If a dad is a spiritual leader in the family, the chances of that child going on in the faith are well over eighty percent. But if the dad's checked out, um, you know, taking all other factors into variable, it goes way less than seven percent. Like it's just it's just a huge factor. And there's a fourteen year study out of North Carolina and Notre Dame that found that the most powerful religious curriculum you can give to a child is the way their mom and dad live their life. Huh. Like nothing else wow. comes close. Wow. And we, we need to realize that sometimes parents, we check out and we say, well, we can't influence them like their kids, or we're just going to drop them off at the church and let them teach them the religion. Like, no, you are the the biggest and the best influence on the life of your child. And, and faith is not a list of rules and regulations. It's a family. That's why the family unit is the, the best image of God that it's about relationship with God. It's about love and how we love our kids can bring them into that relationship with God. And it, it should just flow naturally through your family. And, and you're right. You know, you know, sometimes really 
great parents raise really wayward children. <laughs> and sometimes really wayward parents raise great saints. <laughs> right. And that's because we all have to make the decision sooner or later. Like we all have yeah. to, 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 to make our own choice at some point in life. But as parents, we can give our kids the best opportunity um, by how we talk to God. I mean, kids can spot a fake from a mile away. Mm. If, if you're going through mm. motions and you're just checking boxes and you're just showing up for fire insurance, they know that. And as soon as they get a chance to check out, they're going to check out because they see the hypocrisy in you. But if you love God with all of their, your heart, mind, soul, strength, if if you think about him and you talk about him just like a natural part of your language and you the, the movies you watch, you're looking, you're, you're looking for a faith perspective and the songs you listen to and it's just soaked in the atmosphere they're in, I think the chances of them continuing on in that relationship with God is pretty, pretty strong um, from my experience. And so I, I just want parents to realize the power and the pension. You are the most powerful people in the world in that sense of raising the next generation and, and influencing them and helping them build a relationship with a God, a father who loves them. And that's the most important thing is that that relationship, you know, they're, they're going to learn all the different aspects of their faith, but that relationship of that solid foundation that comes as part being part of a family. Yeah. And in particular, like you said, the father and that family, I know a lot of times it can, it can be the case where the, the wife steps up and attempts to lead. And if the dad's not coming along at the very least, you know, it's almost like the opposite effect. It almost, it's a detriment. And, um, yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know Ben if you have that experience, sometimes I think youth ministry, should almost just be like men's ministry. You know, if, if you just, if you just got to the dads, we'd right. solve a lot of problems in right. these households and, and in our churches. Well, if you're opening up God's word as a male, where, you know, whether you have kids or not, just, you know, whether you're, they're young or old or whatever age, you know, you're opening up God's word. You're going to influence the people in your lives. If you're making that a regular part of your life. If you're not opening God's word up and reading it and sharing it and it's not part of your life, they're not going to make it part of their life. Hmm. You know, I mean, that's, and, and, and especially if, you know, you, I don't know, you're like a good person and everything, but then they just see, oh, they're a pretty good person, but you're not making faith central to their life. So many of the nuns, I think, I, honestly, I hear it a lot. I was Catholic. I grew up Catholic. Yeah. Yep. I hear I hear it a lot around. You know, we we're in a lot of strong Catholic area where we're around, but even even then, it just seems like even people in the Protestant churches are like there are a lot of people who just said no. I for a long time I didn't want anything to do. I grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. I heard all these things, blah blah blah, this, and then I walked away. And and then they might end up in a Protestant church or yeah. something eventually too. But but they certainly walked away from what they were taught. And so there was certainly a disconnect somewhere along the way that it occurred. Yeah. And there's a lot we can learn. I mean, uh, you know, from our, you know, Protestant brothers and sisters and the way that they go about building a relationship with God. And sometimes um, Catholics are, are really guilty of going through motions and, and just checking boxes and being apathetic and just, um, and, 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 and you also think about the scandals. I mean, Think about abuse from a father um, mm-hmm. and how that turns people away from family life, away from even wanting to get married. They've, they've been hurt so bad by, and they've seen their parents fight so much or they or whatever, and they don't even want any part of it, or they don't trust anybody because they've been hurt by their father. Well, the Catholic church is full of scandals. There's full of people not living authentically. And, you know, I tell people like, you know, there's a great quote from, uh, from Miracle, if you've seen that movie about the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. And hockey? Yeah, yeah, hockey. Hockey. Uh-huh. The, the best. Throw sport. that back in there. <laughs> Let's bring this back to hockey. Um, but Coach Herb Brooks, you know, he's trying to get these guys to work together, and he's like the 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 the, the name on the front of the jerseys. Uh, it's a lot more important than the one right. in the back, right? Yeah. Because you're part of a family, and you represent a team. When you put that, you know, that that great part in that scene where Mike Ruzioni finally yells out his name, and he's like, "Who do you play for?" And instead of talking about his college, he says, I play for the United States of America because we were part of a family, we're part of a team and you represent that. It's the same thing in our faith. When, when a priest does something horrible 
and causes a huge scandal, what do you think that does to somebody's view of the family, of their of their upbringing? And so scandals also can turn people away big time, but so can hypocrisy. And so can, you know, people when they don't see that relationship and they just tell people to jump through hoops. And it's, it makes me angry yeah. um, being part of yeah. that family of how people can, you know, apathy makes me sick. It just makes me sick. You have the greatest gift in the world. Going through motions is not bringing people, you're pushing people away. So, and you hinted at it earlier, John, and I'm sure it's not unique to the Catholic church. Ben, maybe you can corroborate this, but, um, sometimes it's not a scandal. Sometimes it's just a, a watered down version of our faith, you know, a milk toast, kind of like no teeth in a message and just doing that for forever. Like no, ins- not, not inspired by our leaders. Yeah. Uh, they're not living heroically. You know, and it's kind of like a parent that just wants to be a friend to their child. So I'm not going to give you any, 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 you know, I want to, I'm not going to tell you the truth or I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to, I just want you to like me. And sometimes mm. they, they try to water down the faith because be they, the they yeah. want to be more like the culture and, and make them feel more at home. Yeah. I'm like, well, if you're just going to offer the same thing as the culture is, then you're not unique in any different w- any way at all. And they're going to find better entertainment somewhere else. Anyway, you're not going to keep them. You're not going to retain them. Like you, you, truth and love. It's always a both and you can't just, you know, be kind to somebody without giving them the truth. And you can't just tell people the truth in a way that it's like being a doctor. Like I could have the cure to cancer, right? But if my bedside manner is terrible, nobody wants to come to me huh. or I could have an awesome bedside manner. I'm just like the nicest doctor ever, but I have no medicine. <laughs> I don't have no truth. <laughs> like, you know, and you know, I've asked kids like, it's funny. I've asked, I've, I've been part of youth ministry too. And I was trying to do this analogy, like, you know, would you rather go to a doctor that actually had the cure to cancer, but he was a jerk? Or would you rather go to this um, guy that was just really nice and kind and gentle, but he didn't really have the medicine or the cure to cancer? And they're like, oh, I'd like to go to the nice guy. I'm like, wait, no, you know, it's not yeah. like, <laughs> you're trying to cure cancer. Okay. Like, well, this is, you know, the reason you go to the doctor is find the cure or whatever, but it's a both and, yeah. and you can see that as Christians, we have the cure to death. We have Jesus. We have what everybody's looking for. Everybody's going to die. It's relevant to everybody's life and certainly everybody's death. And so the way you live your life, it has to be authentic, you know, not perfect, but authentic. And so, you know, authenticity is another thing that is missing in in our culture and and especially men, we have to step up and live authentic lives. Yeah. And maybe that's a good way to segue. We're probably drawing to the end of our time here and uh, we like our, uh, our guests uh, at the end of these episodes to, to issue kind of a parting shot, a challenge. And I uh, don't know where you're going to go with this, but uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know, maybe we've hit it already and we're, we're going to be redundant. Hopefully not. Well, I'll give you a challenge that uh, a priest gave me once uh, many years back. And it's, it's especially to dads. I mean, in, in, in many ways, if you're a man, you're a dad, you're, you're called to that spiritual fatherhood no matter what. <clears throat> but, um, you know, I, and I'm remembering, you know, I'm a, I'm an introverted Catholic <laughs> that grew up never really saying a spontaneous prayer. You know, I, I could say, you know, bless the Lord and these I gifts are about to receive about the Christ of the Lord and man. And I, I could recite my memorized prayers really quickly, which is vain, you know, like, you know, there's a place for those prayers and they're very soothing and comforting, but we need to be able to have a conversation and talk with God from our heart. Right. And so when this priest came up to me and he also said, as a dad, you're the spiritual leader, you need to uplift your children you know, as dads, we need to discipline them. We need to correct them, but we also need to uplift them. We have to realize who, who they are as sons and daughters of the father. And so he said, you, you need to uplift your children. You need to say it out loud. You need to pray with them. And so he said, I want you to set aside a day of the week for each member of your family. <clears throat> and this works out well for my family now, because we have five kids and two, <laughs> two parents and there's seven days of the week. So every one of our family has a day of the week. So Isabel's Monday and um, Isaiah's Tuesday, I'm Wednesday, Mariah's Thursday, Hannah's Friday, Kristen is Saturday, and our baby Lumina is Sunday. And so on that day, as the dad, I'm going to challenge all dads out there to lift up that particular child in prayer, you know, especially if your kids are at home. You know, imagine every time, every Monday, you know, I just, you know, when we say meal prayers, you know, I include something like, you know, Lord, we lift up Isabel today. Um, we just thank you for the beautiful young lady she's growing into and how she did a great job at her cross-country race the other day and how she helped her little brother with the homework and she helped take care of her little sister and just for her kind, generous heart, help her to know how much you love her and how much we love her and help her grow to be a great saint. 
And that's it. And, and if you do that, if you set aside a day of the week for each of your children and your spouse and you out loud, I don't, I don't care if it's uncomfortable, be a man, like just <laughs> do it. Like <laughs> I, I, I am introverted. I, I, this was really uncomfortable. It's still <laughs> awkward for me. I don't care. Do it. Yeah. I'm guaranteeing you that makes a huge difference in the life of your child to hear their daddy talk about how much he loves their, how much he loves them, how much he's proud of them, how much he, you know, he desires that they get to heaven, that his goal and mission for them is to get to heaven. And they hear that every single week on that day of the week. And that's a powerful thing. And if every family would do that, if every dad would do that, I, I think this world would be a better place. Um, so that's my challenge um, to the guys out there. Um, especially if you got kids at home, I want you to pray out loud for that child um, set aside a day of the week. You're the spiritual leader. Step it up. Be a man and do it. Yeah. And what do you do if you have uh, yeah eight in six your kids? Yeah. Well, yeah you so, can, you uh, can. Maybe I can sacrifice my day. You, you can sacrifice. Uh, I actually, yeah. I, I I don't. I usually don't even. You know, yeah. my kids start praying for me or whatever. Oh, they'll, cool, they'll, yeah. they'll go in and. But yeah, you, you can do more than one person in a day. You can be creative. I'm just giving you an idea of yeah, what no, we no. do. Right. But yeah, yeah. You can make up another day of the week. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> well, awesome. This has been really great, yeah. John. I yeah. totally appreciate that you've made the the trek here and and spent some time with us. It has been a great time, Ben. I don't know if you have any. Yeah, no, I think certainly, I think we could talk a lot longer. So yeah, we, we definitely, uh, filled the time we could so much more. You definitely sparked a lot of things in my life. I love the challenge. I love what you said about being awkward, you know, it may be awkward because sometimes what we do feels awkward, but it's right. Yeah. You know, it's right. It doesn't, it, it feels wrong or almost awkward, but it's the right thing to do. And you know, in your head, that's what you need to do. Yeah. And I love how you challenge us to just man up and do it. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's a great philosophy. Like don't ask yourself, how's this going to make me feel when I start? Um, ask yourself how you're going to feel when you're done. That's like running a race, right? I never feel like running. Yeah. <laughs> that's Amen. So that's why I quit. <laughs> but, but I always am glad I did it when I did it. Okay. So that's how you, you find happiness, healthiness and holiness is, is thinking of the end game and sometimes going outside your comfort zone. Yeah. John, I would be remiss if we didn't let you uh, give yourself a plug here. Tell everybody where they can find your books and your ministry, please. Just Sure. Yeah, you can go. My main website is extraordinarymission.com. Um, that's where um, all my books and, and everything is. I also have a, a website called saintsinthemaking.com. Um, that it's lots of different resources that I've found that's helped me over the years and the different retreats um, we we do for f- young families and kids and things like that. So uh, either one of those websites or if you have a question for me, my email is just john at extraordinarymission.com. I'd love to hear from anybody. Awesome. We will put that in the show notes. Yes, we will. Yes. <laughs> All right. Very good. Thanks, right. John. Thanks, guys. It's yep. been great to be here. Yep, for sure. Chad, do you know what we're talking about next time? Uh, I don't. Okay. I think you're right. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, we we might flip it up on its head and I might be leading the next one. All right. Peace out. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to the Manhood Restored podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook at Manhood Restored Podcast. To check out past episodes and show notes, go to manhoodrestored.tv. You can send us feedback and episode ideas to mightymen at manhoodrestored.tv. That's mightymen at manhoodrestored.tv. Be blessed and be brave. Until next time, mighty men of valor.